Welcome to the Chaya Podcast, a sacred platform where Jewish Iranian changemakers turn taboo topics into transformational opportunities for the community. The intention of this podcast is to support our listeners' evolution by challenging the rules our parents and community want for us in order to have their definition of the best life. Instead, let's decide from a more conscious place in our souls which practices we want to keep, which ones we want to let go of, and how we can own those decisions with grace so that we can thrive in more fulfilling and authentic lives. Hello everyone, my name is Ferris Shamulian. I am a public health professional with a specialization in community health sciences. I am the proud co-founder of Chaya. I am taking over as a guest interviewer on the Chaya podcast today, and I am so excited to be interviewing Sam Yebri. I'd like to introduce Sam. Sam Yebri is the president and co-founder of 30 Years After. He is an attorney and former Los Angeles City Commissioner. Sam also serves on the board of directors of the Jewish Community Foundation of Los Angeles, Betzedek Legal Services, and EDA, and is also deeply involved with APAC and the Jewish Federation. Hi, Sam. Hi, Farah. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's so nice to see you, especially after months not going to events and being a little bit um, away from one another in the community. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It's nice to see you in person. Yeah, yeah. Distant, of course. (laughs) Um, So this is a very unique time for us here uh, at Chaya. We haven't done events in person. um, And we are all going inwards in many different ways. And uh, we thinking the community, what it means to be part of the community. um, I know my definition of community has been so much formed by uh, all all the things that you've started and inspired many people around you. Uh, So I'd love to learn more about 30 years after, what inspired you to start 30 years after, um, and kind of give us that story. Sure. so the year was 2007. Uh, it was the year after the Israel-Hezbollah war. Uh, it was uh, a couple years before the 30th anniversary of the revolution in Iran that brought our families to the United States. And a few of us, and I was uh, not the only one, so I'm a co-founder, a few of us felt that there was really a need for young Iranian-American Jews to, to make a difference. Uh, in general, for young Jews, the opportunities were limited to actually be involved. There were social events, philanthropic events, uh, and they were generally told to wait our turn. Uh, and in the Iranian community, uh, there weren't many ways for us to really make a difference. I think there's a culture, especially in civic uh, issues, uh, not to speak up. And we felt that, uh, that there was an opportunity and real responsibility for us as Iranian-American Jews to delve into our history, lean into it, and then make a difference. The idea was to organize one big event timed at the, thir- at the 30th anniversary of the revolution and hence the name. As we started planning that event, it became a conference on a host of different issues. And we felt that the real vacuum in our community for leadership was in the civic and political realm. And it became a real movement. A lot of folks volunteered, a lot of folks helped, and we ultimately got support from the broader Jewish community through grants, uh, including from the Jewish Community Foundation as a grantee of their Cutting Edge Grants Program and, and we're, uh, a committee that I now chair 13 years later. Wow, nice. Yeah, so, uh, and the hope was, and to some extent it's been it's materialized, is that young Iranian Jews would take leadership of, of any kind, whether it's philanthropic, civic, Israel-minded, uh, to be able to uh, 
uh, express what it means to be an Iranian American Jew and, and, and have uh, through action and through engagement actually live all aspects of our identity and, and make those um, you know, into one holistically and so we can express pride in our in our heritage um, and, and use that to be an advocate for issues that we cared about. Beautiful. So you saw a major gap and you did something about it. Uh, it's, it must be so beautiful to see uh, in retrospect how much 30 years after and the people who have been involved have grown and expanded because of this initiative that you started. Yeah, it, it's, it's an incredible source of pride and I think that really is a testament to um, kind of the efficacy of our vision, which was not just to uh, take a action one moment in time or to speak on one issue, but really to give voice to a lot of different people and to be a representative um, uh, uh, organization and to create leaders. That's really been something that we realized that there's a real need. Beautiful. Well, I'd love to learn more about, there may be some people who don't know what 30 Years After does. I'd love to learn a little bit more about, I, I know I, I've, I've done the fellowship, maybe people don't know, maybe you can give a quick overview about 30 Years After, what, what's going on now, and then we, I want to learn more about leadership. Sure. So over the years, we've hosted major conferences. We had four biennial conferences where more than a thousand attendees would learn about civic issues and, and would attend uh, meet their elected officials and delve into issues of policy and history. Um, more recently, we've realized what we need is to build and to train more Iranian Jewish young leaders. And so we've transitioned to more events that are focused on education and uh, leadership training. So we've, we're, we're now in our, we'll be starting our eighth year of the Maher Fellowship in January. Um, you're, you're a proud graduate, and, and some of our graduates have gone through this uh, program and, and went on to start or to lead different organizations in the community. Uh, it's a s rigorous six-month program where you learn about Iranian Jewish history, you learn about Jewish Los Angeles, you learn about fundraising, public speaking, uh, and really how to kind of find your role and then take take a leadership role in the community. Uh, we've started a pu public service one just this year called the Marathi Berkowitz Fellowship, focused on policy. We actually have a session tonight nice. with uh, the chief of staff to Mayor Gar Garcetti, Anna Guerrero, who's actually a Jewish Latina, and uh, we're talking about uh, how the city works uh, and doesn't work and, and kind of the different levels of government and also her story into public service. Uh, we, have a t we have 20 members of that cohort, half of them are Persian, half of them are not, wow. uh, young Jews of, of different backgrounds, and we want it, and that goes to another goal of 30 years after, which is to break down any walls and barriers mm -hmm. between the Persian Jewish community and the greater Jewish community. We really think that we have so much to learn from each other and to, to grow together. And, uh, and over the years, we've hosted a broad range of programming, cultural, educational, community service oriented, and uh, we're always looking for uh, great, great ways to, to reach our community and provide opportunities. And in the COVID moment, it's been hard, but webinars, um, including one we've done with Chaya uh, yeah. just, just, just a few months ago, was really a great opportunity to reach out and to feel the pulse and to give voice to what a lot of us are feeling and thinking. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. You, you've seen so many leaders. <laughs> Uh, under your nose form uh, that's that's such a beautiful thing to see over the years what are what are some key attributes of a leader sure that's a great question so in my experience and I've learned from watching leaders and studying them and reading a lot I think I've, it boils down to a, a real delicate mix between hubris and humility um, and what I mean by that is in terms of humility realizing that one person can only do so much 
and each of us is here because of people who came before us, uh, whether in our, our families and our experience here or people who are leading the charge on issues you care about, um, and realizing that we can't do anything alone, um, that we need people to join our effort, and we need to be able to build others uh, into, into leaders. And by hubris, I mean the sort of the, the, the flip side of that is the crazy idea that one person can change the world, right? That's sort of the... Uh, very Jewish notion. Uh, Margaret Mead had the idea that never doubt the power of a few committed people to change the world. And I've always believed that if a few people come together, um, anything's possible. Um, there's a very Hasidic idea also in Judaism that uh, we should all carry in our pockets two notes, literally. And one says we are, we are but dust and ashes, the humility that at any moment we could be returned uh, to our creator and we're just a, a speck in the long history of the world. And the other pocket we should carry a note that says the world was created for me, Beautiful. that we are um, at our disposal. We have more knowledge and more opportunities than any other human being in history. Certainly in the Jewish community, we've never lived in a more comfortable life. So we have unbelievable opportunities to, to make a difference and help others and live a life of meaning and purpose. So I think if you re are able to balance those two, this idea of, of, of hubris that we can do anything and the ba idea of, of humility that uh, we're just one person and, and, and needs others that will help you in your in different aspects of your leadership life. Um, the other idea that I think is really valuable, th the notion that leaders don't create followers, they need to create crea leaders, right? It's it's one thing to amass followers and people who follow you, and that, but that's not really leadership. Um, that's really a sort of vain approach mm -hmm. to yourself into the world, uh, but real leaders build other leaders who inspire them. Um, there's a Tavis Smiley joke that uh, if you think you're a leader and you look behind you and if there's no one there, you're just out for a walk. Mm. If you don't have people who are marching with you and can take over the mantle of whatever you're working on uh, when eventually you tire, um, then you're not really building anything long-term and not leaving a legacy, right? You know, the, the, t and the Talmud teaches us that um, you're not required to complete the work, but you can't desist from engaging in it. So uh, the, the hardest step is that first step. Uh, we know from the Exodus story, uh, it was Nachshon who jumped in, right? Uh, someone needed to jump into the, the sea before the Jews could be liberated. So um, that's always the hardest step. Um, and that was the hardest step for 30 years after is to come up with the idea and convince people that this is something that was worthwhile and to commit your time and money to. Uh, so I've always believed that uh, it, it's n it can't be about me. We got to create opportunities for others to lead and to uh, take charge and embrace their responsibilities and roles. And whatever and whatever you're doing, whether you're a, the captain of a sports team, whether you're CEO of a company, whether you're a parent at home, we have to create a sense of responsibility, enjoyed jo uh, share responsibility among that team, and, and create other people who are going to engage and exercise leadership. Leadership is a verb; it's to lead. It's it's not just something that you call yourself. You actually have to consistently exercise that muscle really wonderful wisdom Sam and I used to think that who am I I can't make a difference what I'm just one other aunt in this whole world of this Persian Jewish community here in Los Angeles how am I going to be able to ever make an impact and I really used to believe that I didn't think I could ever make a difference I remember uh, when I was 16 people would ask me what do you want to be and I would say a mother like, I can't imagine anything better than that. I just want to be a mother. And I wanted more for myself, but I didn't know what that could ever be. And so I put myself out there, and thanks to other leaders who've opened my eyes, 
to the infinite possibilities of how we can actually make that ripple effect and what that even means. What, how, how can we make a change that is uh, worthwhile? And so um, I think that wisdom is so profound. And one of the reasons why I helped start Chaya, uh, because of wisdom that I've learned through people like you and other great leaders in our community, um, many that you know as well, like Iman Esmalzadeh, um, just all, all of these people who've, who've really just given a, a big part of their time and lives to yes. make sure that other people succeed. That's a really rare uh, quality in people. And I think being a person who finished the fellowship, you see that people after they finish this fellowship gain that quality and they understand the value of that quality. And so it, it, when, when, you s when you were talking, I was just envisioning like, a lot of leaders and like what are we gonna do if we have ev everyone as <laughs> a leader <laughs> but but I think that's the best case scenario is is everyone um, in some way or another taking on a leadership role to help fill a gap that they see in the world you know I saw a gap you saw a gap Nicole saw a gap and we all were able to say hey I want to do something about that so that's beautiful to have like a plethora of leaders just all around our community just I think that's so beautiful, and may we have that trouble. Yeah. May that problem of too many leaders. And just, just using a nonprofit organization as an example, there's someone who is going to devote his or her life to be the professional uh, full-time employee. There's those who are going to be the board members, those who are going to be volunteers, those who are just going to write checks. There's so many different mm -hmm. ways, and that's just the nonprofit example. Uh, if you, if you, within the other broader world, whether it's civic. Uh, whether it's uh, religious, there's so many different professional ways that th there's that pe people can lead, and I think we just have to lean into that. I agree, and a lot of people think that they have to do something profound in order to be a leader. There are many different levels of leadership, like you mentioned, just giving back in small different ways. Financially, uh, that's leadership, or uh, helping yourself, that's leadership, H helping your own family. So. So I think even teaching people that leadership has many different levels is also a yeah, very nice concept. I, th I think in this COVID moment, we've we realized that the smallest acts of kindness, the smallest acts of leadership really make a difference, wow. right? The one what you, you hand, a, hand a bottle of water to someone who's homeless, um, better that person's life, in, in right? And it's um, I've always viewed leadership or kindness or any kind of value like that. Uh, there's this idea that it's like a light you don't diminish your own light, your own candle by lighting another candle. It's not like a water where if you give someone else half of yours, you only, you have half left. You know, this inspiration, um, this goodness, it doesn't extinguish. It actually grows. Beautiful. So, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Let's talk about our community here in L.A. Uh, we have a very unique Persian Jewish community here, thriving in many different ways. But at the same time, there's a little bit of a gap. Personally, I wasn't civically engaged ever. If it wasn't for my sister, who works for a council member here in Los Angeles, I would, wouldn't know the difference between a congressman and a councilman. And I know a lot of people are also in that same boat. Why do you think Jewish Iranians are less civically engaged? And what are some trends around leadership and civic engagement in the Jewish Iranian community? Yeah. So I think obviously there's a historic aspect to it, right? Our, our experience in Iran, we were uh, we survived by putting our heads down and not taking controversial positions, 
uh, and not speaking up. Um, and I think that made sense at that time in that moment. And some of that mindset continued. But I think the, the longer we've been Americans, uh, it's been a lack of education. When people think about politics or civics, they think of elections or they think of political campaigns. They don't think about what, what, what actually the purpose of those elections are. It's to elect people to make decisions on things that affect our lives, mm-hmm. whether it's homelessness, education, clean water and air, housing decisions that affect uh, a, a multitude of issues, decisions that affect our, the traffic, and how businesses thrive, whether people who are vulnerable can get help. There's so many issues that affect people's lives that are made by people uh, that we have to elect. And if we don't like the results of those decisions or those policies, uh, we, we can change that. And that's that's the purpose of politics. That's perfect purpose of civic engagement. And it's not just elected officials. There, uh, I'd love to get into it. There's so many different ways for a citizen to be involved beyond voting. Uh, th- there, there are ways within a neighborhood, within a community w- to be d- engaged and make a difference on these issues. I, th- I think for us, uh, and I share this, the U.S. is a relationship has been incredibly important. And it needs to continue to be a priority for us. Uh, but we can do both. We can also engage in issues that are local, that aren't partisan. Uh, it, you know, solving this homelessness crisis is not a partisan issue. It's not a D or R issue. You can do both. We can engage with our elected officials in Congress and to talk to talk about issues related to Iran and Israel. But also we can be engaged locally on, on issues that matter. So, Like uh, what? Yeah, so I, th- I think the issues that affect our city, mm-hmm. uh, that affect our quality of lives, are whether our families are going to be safe through public safety. Mm-hmm. There's a, obviously the, 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 the debate about reforming, defunding, abolishing, restructuring, and reimagining the police. That has immense m- consequences for our community in this city. It affects whether our kids can w- walk to school or walk mm-hmm. on the street and, and we have confidence. Uh, it, it affects um, whether there be a response to anti-Semitism and, and the like, right? I, I think the, the housing and homelessness discussion is incredibly important. Uh, it affects all aspects of our city and from public health and safety. It's just a moral issue. Uh, and there's so many more, right? Everyone's talking about opening schools, and that's a public health issue, mm-hmm. uh, decision for our elected officials uh, in this COVID moment. So in terms of Persian Jews, um, I think, uh, and, and those of us who do care about the U.S.'s relationship, there's no better way to have credibility and to maximize our impact than to say, I'm a leader on this issue as well. I'm involved in political activism on these issues. I'm a leader uh, of this organization or synagogue. Um, I care about issues. And that sort of goes to this idea of intersectionality. The, the more we can link arms with broader communities, uh, we need allies, right? And uh, it goes back to this idea of leaders too, is that the, the more we can link arms with other communities, uh, the, the greater impact we can have and, and better and more influence on issues that we care about. Beautiful. I love the concept of intersectionality, especially doing work worldwide with Israel. You see the power of community and how you're able to impact communities when you are able to create this intersectionality yeah. of, of different forces coming together, wanting to make uh, the best change for the, a different population. And, th- and th- I love that. And, th- and that's been the Jewish story in America. Uh, it, it's no coincidence that Jews were in the forefront of the civil rights mm-hmm. movement, the women's suffrage movement the labor rights movement, I mean, all these, not just because they're Jewish values to care for those who are vulnerable, tikkun olam idea, but it's also good for the Jewish community to lead and to uh, take community relations seriously. 
and, uh, and for and, and Iranian American Jews can be natural leaders on these issues. We can link arms with other immigrant communities, other refugee communities, like you referenced. Uh, I, I think being uh, whether we call ourselves people of color or uh, mi of, of Middle Eastern, North African descent, whatever it is, uh, we're not just an average white person in Los Angeles. We have a story, uh, and leaning in, and which requires learning our story, leaning into that story will help us build those relationships. And I think it also helps the, to tell Israel's story, too. I think that's really incredibly important. I couldn't agree more. Why is it important for Jewish Iranians to be engaged civically? Yeah. So I, I think it's an inherently a, a Jewish idea, right, is that Jeremiah says we have to care for the welfare of the city that we live in so that we have to, uh, we can't just be limited to caring about our Jewish issues, our Jewish community, our own families, um, our families and our security, our neighborhoods are linked with the welfare of, of those around us. So I think one is out of self-interest. Two, it's the right thing to do is to, to care about something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it adds a lot to our lives, meaning and purpose yeah. to, to care for others. Uh, and, and and third, I, I think there's this feeling along among a lot of people that our city, our country is going the wrong direction. Uh, whether Whatever you're politics are, I think we can all agree there's things that, uh, whether it's COVID, whether we think it's local issues, whether we think just the tenor of discourse, uh, and we, we should try to change that. And, and it just change, starts with one conversation with your neighbor, with your, you know, even your own family members, uh, to have civil discussions about ideas and uh, to be able to separate someone from that person's ideas. I think that for, for too much, for too long now, in the last couple of years in this moment, we've we've conflated politics and morality that if you disagree with someone politically that person is immoral and I, mm. we can't be friends right but uh, i think we need to have those conversations in a mature way even at our shabbat dinner tables with people who may view things differently uh and we can't conflate those things and we, we can um be able to to debate important topics in, in a healthy way and then from that we can come up with ideas i think i'm, I'm sure all of us have different ideas to to solve some of our problems in our city that uh, through intelligent discussion, it, it, we can we can all play a role. And um, you, you asked earlier about advice for young, f for folks who want to be leaders, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get back to that. One one piece of advice that I learned early on that I think is uh, has been important in my life is not never saying no to an opportunity. People ask you to donate time or money or to serve on something or to help with something. And it's never convenient. It's never the right time. You have other things going on. We're all busy, right? And the perspe perspective we have often as Iranian American Jews is all, well, we'll get to it later. I'll have more money let down the line. I'll, I'll, I'll be a big donate, do donor later. Or I'm too busy now focusing on, on family or th this new enterprise or whatever it is. Uh, and, and then as a result, a lot of us cop out, right? Yep. And I learned early on, no matter how busy you are, just if it's a good cause or if someone you care about and you trust says, please join me. Even if it's just one event or one opportunity or $18, say yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that for me has compounded to opportunities that I've never imagined. I to leader agree more. Yeah, to, to leadership roles, to opportunities, speaking engagements, press, going to the White House. These things snowballed because I said yes and I put in the work. And the second part of that is putting the work is mm -hmm. that – just no be just being having a title goes the idea of, of being a leader it's 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 not about titles it's, it's really about the work and it john wooden has this quote uh, never mistake uh, activity with achievement um, 
you know, the, the, the guy on the basketball court who's running around chasing a ball um, is not the one that matters. It's the one who gets the rebound or scores the point, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. makes that assist or right. this, right? So it's the achievement that matters. And um, we, we need to be able to separate um, or define leadership in a role that people who are actually accomplishing things. And I, I think in our community, uh, we celebrate, and in the Jewish community, it's the philanthropic community, we celebrate the donors, the people whose names are on the walls right. uh, of yeah. halls, but not really the people who put in the work, not the person who solicited a donation, not the person who had the vision for it, not the person who put in the hard work to make the budget work years down the line, or the people who um, make sure that the, the, the seats are filled for whatever types of programming. And I'd like to see our community honor those people more meaningfully. Mm -hmm. There's there, Our community has so many underappreciated leaders, uh, commu community leaders, that I think if we shined a light on them, it'd be incredibly valuable. And the last piece about leadership I would add is that if you're really going to commit yourself to it, it's it's an all-in proposition. Uh, it's it's thankless work. There's a quote: "Housework is invisible work that you, people only realize and appreciate it mm. when, when it's not done, right? In its absence." And same thing with community work or civic work or political leadership. People tend to praise or appreciate or even notice it when it's not done well, right? And our community, when it suffers, when there's pe people falling through the cracks or uh, there's a lack of unity, wherever the issue is. Uh, people recognize the problems, and, and but not when things are going well. And uh, it's pretty thankless work. And if you're in it to get a benefit, you're, you're not going to ever satisfy that cost-benefit analysis of putting in all that time and money if your goal is to get – you ultimately you will long-term get it's more out easy, of it. It's not easy, I got to say. It's not, right? <laughs> we, Nick and I have been doing this for five years. We, For the first three and a half years, we were just like trekking every week, 20 hours on phone calls really formulating this without getting paid without ever doing it for any anything because we saw a gap and we wanted to make a difference and it's difficult it gets to you sometimes you're like this is hard work but when you see that lives are being impacted you're able to see the change in the community and you you see it we see it people commenting or letting us know that a podcast episode has changed their view on uh, dis their disability or their mental health status or their relationships, how they can have a better relationship. That's the change we want to see. Yeah. And that's beautiful that you're able to actually see that reward at the end of the tunnel. And maybe that's what makes it worthwhile at the end. You, is you, you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have to have perspective. There's a great story that I love that I often repeat. It's from uh, Supreme Court Justice Jackson who said, who is a parable. There's three people who are who are cutting stone, literally stone cutters. And they're asked, you know, what are you doing? The first one says, I'm cutting stone. T t the second one says, I'm making a living. Mm. Third one said, I'm building a cathedral. Right in front of him was just a piece of stone, mm. but he had the, had the vision that he was laying down the stone for something that would be a beautiful cathedral. And that, when you're setting up a, a, a Chaya event and setting up the food or designing that graphic or uh, dealing with annoying All emails, things, yeah. um, you're building cathedral. Uh, you have to that each piece of stone that you're cutting is building something beautiful. And goes back to the earlier point, you may not ever learn about the impact that you're having. Mm -hmm. um, you may not be yeah, around to see okay. it, and it's okay. Totally, I couldn't agree more. I now want to talk about the future of our community. I'm sometimes worried. Right now, we're in a very confusing place. A lot of people don't know. Uh, what to expect from the future. There's a lot of unknown and what ifs. What do you think about the future of leadership in our community? Kind of what's your vision? Yeah. 
I'm incredibly optimistic about our community. I, I'm very bullish about its future. This young generation that uh, had every opportunity to go to any university and ach went achieve the highest levels of education, the highest levels of professional achievement, th there's no lack of talent, right? There And there's no lack of opportunities. The, the question is, will people step up to look beyond themselves, to take on roles, uh, to have an impact, right? It's very easy to, uh, I don't want to say easy, but it's, expected to take a certain path in life professionally family especially in the Persian Jewish community especially mm -hmm. and it's a it's sort of a comfortable way to Perfect. live your life right and maybe if you've done well you'll be philanthropic at some point uh, get involved with your child's school but it's there's no expectation that we all chip in when in our 20s and and, and take on a leadership role in our 30s right uh, and, I, and there, there are people in our in our community who've exhibited leadership early on there's some leaders at student body president at UCLA there are people who are starting organizations mm -hmm. obviously there's the many examples in the in the business world um, but I think we, if we can connect and I think goes to inspiring people to look beyond our uh, themselves and ourselves to uh, and fill some void uh, in the community to make it a part of their lives to, to do something beyond themselves will be in a great place and if anyone's out there who wants wants to do more feel free to reach out to me i'm always happy to connect to, to mentor and, and that's an also a piece about leadership too is to mm -hmm. seek out mentorship mm -hmm. um, i've always even at this point in my life i seek out mentors people that i would like to be in 10 20 years uh picking his or her brain about how they got there um I, when i have big decisions in my life i still go to those some of those people and uh, you can have a broad range of different mentors in your life, whether it's professional, religious, communal. That's incredibly important uh, to get that perspective. And uh, I think we'll, you know, to, to that point, uh, we, we need to mentor th those people who want to do more. I, I, I think there's uh, – I, I, I remember when we started 30s after, we made the pitch to the Jewish Community Foundation when we were asked, you know, what's your goal? You know, How is mm -hmm. this Jewish Los Angeles – We'll, how's it going to be different in 20 years in, in a generation? And our hope then, which is our hope now, uh, and I have more confidence now, is that every synagogue, every Jewish school, every organization will have Iranian Jewish leaders, mm. staff, board chair, volunteers, donors. And look at look at the Kavivi now, Sam. Yeah, we're, we're making I progress. We be, I think we should all be proud of, of where things are going. We're making progress. There's a yeah. lot, lot more work to be done. For sure, for sure. So I have one final question, and we asked our podcast guests this question. The Jewish Iranian community has a lot of rules and formulas for what success is. What is one rule you've broken in the Jewish Iranian community? What did you gain from breaking that rule, and what did you lose? The first part of that answer, my answer will be doing things that are outside of our norm, um, doing things that may not bring me money and wealth, which mm. uh, is sort of an expectation, especially young me among men to do things in our 20s and 30s and 40s that will maximize our income and wealth potential. Uh, no one's going to become wealthy by st starting a nonprofit or volunteering right. or donating, but, but no one will become poor by volunteering or donating or, or serving on, on organizational boards. Uh, it actually gives, has given me and, and has given many people incredible uh, meaning and purpose to our lives. Um, so I think f you know, refocusing how we view wealth and money. I, I've viewed it as a, and I think it should be viewed as uh, a means, but not as an end, right? No one at 
in someone's eulogy, you never talk about this person amassed this kind of wealth. Yeah, or they right. had the biggest Persian wedding. <laughs> or the a, a, a Rolls Royce, right? The the eulogies that tug at your heart and make you say that person was incredible is the life they lived and how they what they did for their family and for their community and for others. Beautiful. So uh, I, I think thinking about think about your eulogy, right? Think about what legacy are you going to leave, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. There's uh, the the amount of money you have in your bank account um, should be a means. It should be a means to do good things in the world. Um, it, Rabbi Wolpe calls money a, a gift that should be a blessing for others. Wow. And um, I've always viewed that too. Um, and then the second piece of that, I, I know my friend and colleague uh, Tabby. Davuti Raphael talks about this a lot, is this idea of, of shame, is that we think that any weakness, uh, any shortcoming uh, will bring shame upon you and your family and has consequences that you couldn't imagine, mm-hmm. right? But that that's really an unhealthy way to look at your life. Uh, every family and every community has challenges. Um, we're not going to grow as a community if we don't talk about these really important issues, whether it's me- mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's children's special needs, um, domestic violence, yep. LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. These are issues that, uh, if if unaddressed, have really toxic consequences for every family. Mm-hmm. And there are pe- professionals out there who can help. And, I kn- and Nicole is one uh, from yeah. Chaya, but th- and, there, and there are many others, especially with cul- culturally sensitive approaches. And you know, our community can't be healthy and then make a difference in the world if we're struggling internally. And I think that we, our, our family unit is really the key, and, and um, I, I'd hate for to see, and, and, and religion's a big part of that. It's not the only aspect of it, and, and I'd like to really see us uh, as a community uh, value not just our traditions, but really our values. Beautiful. So the way you just explained that made me envision kind of how I see the world as an individual, as a community member, and a member of the world, and how we are able to be leaders in every aspect of what it means to live our best versions of ourselves in in each ring. So as an individual, as a community member, as a global citizen, and leave that legacy. Want the best for ourselves, our family members, and everyone else around us. I thank you so much for your time being here today and discussing really these important topics. would love to uh, share what you've been up to and how people can get more of you. Sure. So in terms of 30 Years After, we have a website, 30yearsafter.org. We're active on Facebook, and we have a wonderful staff and a board. And anyone who's looking to get more involved in the community, whether it's through 30 Years After uh, or elsewhere, through one of our partners, we're always happy to, to, to be a connector or provide opportunities through our leadership programs. Uh, and then personally, uh, I'm, I'm actually currently running for Los Angeles City Council. Yay, uh, yes, thank congrats. you. Thank you very much. Uh, the election is, is a little ways away in, in March of 22, uh, and it, but the, the role is incredibly important. It represents a large part of the Los Angeles community that I've, I've lived in and I've been raising my family in from Encino into Westwood and Bel Air and down into Beverly Wood and Pico Robertson and then up to Beverly Fairfax and everywhere in between. And it represents a large part of the Iranian Jewish community. I think there's a sport historic aspect of having Iranian American uh, Jew run for this seat in this moment. Um, the issues are incredibly important. We talked about some of them like homelessness and housing and policing and race, uh, traffic and, and, and mm-hmm. transportation. And these things are affect our lives. 
and uh, we can't leave it up to others to make decisions. I, I think our, we need to step up and try to be a leader, and I'm looking for, uh, for partners in this. I hope uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about local civic issues, uh, I'd love for you to, to reach out to, to me and, uh, and feel free to email me and contact me. Uh, feel free to email me at samyebri at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sam, for your time, and hopefully we can see each other soon. <laughs> Thank you.